This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Luke, the first chapter, and the 39th through the 45th verse. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, this is Elizabeth, in a loud voice, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Some of you may be familiar with the Christmas carol, The First Noel, which begins with these lyrics. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 born is the king of Israel. In the telling of the Christmas story at this time of the year, many preachers, many pastors, all of us, we often talk about the shepherds who are watching their flocks by night. Sometimes we'll always preach about no room being at the inn. We, we also preach about, obviously, the baby in a manger, and of course, there's always something about Mary. <laughs> but tucked away in the chronology of the Christmas story is a tale about a woman to which very little is known. Yet in her brief biblical bio is a declaration that she is privileged to make that has not been rivaled since its utterance. It is a tale of a woman named Elizabeth, which will guide me as I preach this message that runs contrary to that very popular Christmas carol. And so I've titled this message quite simply in that vein, The First Noel. The First Noel. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come to the preaching hour. Lord, this is the time we celebrate. We celebrate the birth of the Christ child. And we thank you, O oh God, that he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So now, Lord, use this preacher that I may preach a message that your people, O oh God, need to hear today and in this season. I know what I have prepared. I know where my heart is, but I need the mind of Christ right now. And so, Spirit of the living God, I invite you to use these lips of clay. Preach now, Lord, for your children are listening. Amen. Amen. Many of you may not be familiar with the name Frances Perkins, but she was an American workers' right advocate who served as the United States Secretary of Labor from 1933 to 1945 under then-President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. She made history as the first woman to serve in any presidential 
cabinet in the United States, becoming, hear this, not only the first woman to hold a cabinet position in the United States, but also to become the very first woman to enter the presidential line of succession. Now, now, after Roosevelt asked her to join his cabinet, she helped make labor issues very important in the famous New Deal that many of us may be familiar with, right? She challenged the president on issues of labor ranging from social security all the way to minimum wage. As Secretary of Labor, Ms. Perkins played an enormous role by helping to get this right legislation with her most important contribution being, hear this, to help design the Social Security Act of 1935. Now, why am I telling you about Ms. Frances Perkins? Well, today, the Social Security Act of 1935 makes it possible for millions, and I mean millions of Americans across all walks of life to have the opportunity to retire with some semblance of dignity after their many years of toil and service. And while many people herald the work of Roosevelt and other men of renown, and rightfully so, few know or tell the story of Frances Perkins, who once announced to the president, she had the audacity to announce to the president, nothing like this has ever been done in the United States before. Mm. Now, because of the work of Ms. Frances Perkins, the good news came to everyone who has come to depend on Social Security. Amen. She was, for the most part, a woman of first that brought good news. Now, the French uses a term for good news. They have a phrase that they use for good news, and that term is bonnes noëls, no, nouvelles. Did I say it right? Bonne nouvelle. Bonne nouvelle, right. I ought to let, let Reverend Nefty help me with that. Bonne nouvelle. That, that, that's the, the, the phrase that the French use, right? And this term, it has the nouvelle, which means noël or noël, but, but in addition to being good news, the word noël can also mean Christmas or even birthday. It could mean Christmas or even birthday. This is expressly why we sing Noel at Christmas time to celebrate both, both the good news as well as the birth of Jesus Christ. So when we hear the term Noel, and I know many of you probably didn't know, y'all were just singing Noel, Noel, but y'all don't know what y'all are singing, right? The, the idea is we are actually making claim to the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. Noel is the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a pronouncement that like the good news of social security, which came to everyone who has come to depend on the faithfulness and the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But, but this good news, this bon nouvelle, I'm going to mess it up. This bon nouvelle did not just come through anyone. It came through a woman named Elizabeth. Let's meet her. Would you like to meet her? Let's meet her. Let's meet this woman, Elizabeth. We are first introduced to this woman named Elizabeth in Luke, the first chapter and the fifth verse. Here's what it says. In the days of King Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. 
They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. And yet they had no child because Elizabeth was infertile and they were both advanced in years. So, so right away, Luke is telling us a little something about this woman. Number one, she's married to a priest, which means she's a first lady. The second thing is that she came from the priestly line of Aaron, which means she was a PK. She, she was righteous in the sight of God, meaning she was not a gossiper. Number four, she walked blamelessly in all the commandments, meaning she was faithful. Number five told, tells us she was advanced in years, meaning she was elderly, and most critical to her identity was that she was barren, which means she could, have not, she could not bear children. To be clear, brothers and sisters, barrenness in that time period referred to a closed womb, which was a deep personal tragedy. It was a direct contradiction to God's command to men after the flood to do what? To, to, to be fruitful and increase in number and to fill the earth. So a barren wife was against God and subject to scorn and ridicule. That's Elizabeth. The pressure to bear children for a husband was so great that the barren wife would sometimes offer unto her husband a surrogate. Y'all know about Hagar and Abraham. Furthermore, barrenness was seen as a curse or even some kind of divine punishment from God. In fact, God promised Israel no infertility if they were to obey his laws. So clearly, if people are infertile, it means that God is punishing them. Are you with me? So my point here is, however you look at it, Elizabeth was a marginalized woman in society. Her value was limited because she was unproductive as she brought shame to her household. And in the understanding of that time period, Elizabeth, for all of her pedigree and royalty, was a disgrace. So that's Elizabeth. But we are told, beginning in verse 8, that while Elizabeth's husband, was Zechariah, was doing his priestly duty in the temple, the angel Gabriel came to him. And this is what the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah in the temple. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And you shall name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice over his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. And it is he, hear this carefully, it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is the prophecy that the angel Gabriel gave to Zechariah while Zechariah was doing his priestly work, going about his business in the temple with a barren wife named Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah doubted Gabriel, doubted his words. And for his unbelief, we know that Zechariah was struck dumb. Can't speak. Shut it down. The text goes further to let us know that Elizabeth did, in fact, conceive and being found with child. We're told in verse 24 that she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace 
from among the people. That's what Elizabeth said. So everything that I told you about the disgrace and the shame that she was feeling, Elizabeth actually, actually felt shame. But God had taken away Elizabeth's reproach. As a marginalized woman, he had taken away her shame and she now conceived. Are you seeing Elizabeth? Now, the story continues. Now, this is like one of those, what do they call it? A housewives of something? Um, you know, the housewives of Judah. <laughs> now, six months later, Mary, who had also seen the angel Gabriel, was now pregnant. And she was on her way now to Elizabeth's house. And this is where we pick up our story that I'm preaching about today. Verse 39 says, At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. Now, catch the picture. Mary has a, a, a new baby in her womb, and Elizabeth is now six months pregnant, right? So Mary has the new, newer baby, so John is going to be six months older than Jesus, right? At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth is a six-month baby in her belly. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, in other words, all Mary did was say, hi, Elizabeth, and the baby in, in, in Elizabeth's womb, leaped, right? Leaped, the, the, book, the book tells us. And not only did the baby leap, but Elizabeth herself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she was so filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all know sometimes when the Holy Spirit fills you, it gives you utterances. Right? Sometimes people don't realize that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you start saying things that you have no idea. What's going on? Well, that's what happened to Elizabeth. Yeah. When, the whole, when Mary said, hi, Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby leaped in a womb. The Holy Spirit came, filled Elizabeth. And what happened? Elizabeth started to utter. And this is what Elizabeth said. She said, blessed are you. And it says in a loud voice. So she wasn't silent. Because sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you feel the goodness of God in your heart, you can't hold it to yourself and you got to shout from the rooftops. Yeah. You just can't hold it in when that spirit comes upon you. So, so Elizabeth screams out and she said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored? Still dealing with shame. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Sometimes, you know, you can be in such a dark place that even when God brings you good things, you don't think you deserve it. Amen. How broken are we as a people? Sometimes God wants to bless us, but we refuse it because we don't think we deserve it. So Elizabeth is saying, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The baby in her womb, six-month baby in her womb, leaped for joy. John the Baptist, who is going to become, could not contain himself. Sometimes when you're in the presence of the Lord, you don't have to know the Lord. You just need to be near the Lord. Just near the Lord. God, if I could just get closer to you, just a little closer, Lord, and I can leap like John in Elizabeth's womb. Are you hearing me, church? Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. Brothers and sisters, let me just digress here for a moment. Believe what God has told you. Believe it. Because when he does bring it to pass, one, you will know that it's no one else but the Lord. But secondly, 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 you will have favor upon your life like you've never experienced before. Yes. Amen. The very important thing to note here 
is that from the time, hear me clearly, church, from the time Joseph was told not to put away his betrothed Mary. Remember when the angel tell him, don't put Mary away? From the time Joseph was told, don't put Mary away, because the baby is going to be born of the Holy Ghost. And from the time Mary was told that she was going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, and she asked the question, but how can this be, Lord, seeing that I know not a man? The Bible tells us that Mary pondered those things in her heart. What does that mean, church? It means that no one had made any public declaration or announcements about the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me what I'm telling you, church. The angel visited Zechariah. The angel visited Joseph. The angel visited Mary. The angel did all of these things, telling them everything about the child that was to be born. But not one of those people went out and started making the announcement of what they had heard from the angel. Let me tell you something. Sometimes God gives you revelation. It's not for you to go running your mouth. You need to wait until the time of the Lord for it to be spoken. I'm just saying. Sometimes you just need a little discernment of when God shows you something. It's not for you to shame or embarrass people, but it's for you to know that it is for an appointed time. So nobody, and I know I'm preaching the Christmas story away. You probably have not heard it. Nobody else had made any declaration about anything that was happening at this time. It's a very important, church, because I want you to see that even though the prophet Isaiah said this about John the Baptist. He said, here's what Isaiah said in the Old Testament. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That was Isaiah's prophecy. And even though the angel Gabriel said this of John the Baptist, and it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I'm going somewhere. And even though Zechariah, the priest, said this of his own son, John the Baptist, when they opened up his mouth to speak. He said, and you, child, also will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Why am I telling you all of this, church? Even though we all preach and teach about the voice crying in the wilderness and rightfully celebrate John the Baptist as the male forerunner. It was a woman named Elizabeth that first announced the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not a man. Now, this ain't a man-bashing sermon. I want you to hear me. It was not a man. It was not even her husband, Zechariah, for God has shut his mouth. God did not use any priest, any Pharisee, any bishop, any pastor, any ordained minister. He didn't use any trustee or any steward. He didn't use any president, any premier, any emperor, any governor, any tetrarch, any county executive, any mayor, any city council or legislator. And get this, he didn't even use any billionaires or millionaires, any CEO, CFO, COO, or COW. He didn't use any of those people. No, he did not. God used a woman. A woman that had been subject to ridicule, viewed as cursed with a divine punishment, seemingly limited in value because she was unproductive as she brought shame to her household, a disgraced 
and marginalized woman in society. That's who God used to deliver the first Noel. So quite contrary to that famous Christmas carol, which again says, the first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they lay, keeping their sheep on a cold winter's night that was so deep. Noel, 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 Noel. Born is the king of Israel. The first Noel, the Bonds Novels, the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ did not come by way of certain poor shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. No. The first Noel, the Bonds Novel, the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ came by a marginalized woman named Elizabeth. And church, the reason why this is important is that we as the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we play a dangerous role and a dangerous game when we take on the world's ways of doing and looking at things. We play a dangerous game when we, when we, when we follow the patterns of this world. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize women. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize black women. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize black men. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize, hear me, continental African men and women, especially if they are really dark-skinned. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize people at the southern border just because they are South Americans while opening up to people on the northern border because they may have blonde ear and blue eyes. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize immigrants, though we built this nation. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize the disabled or the other abled in society. It is the pattern of this world to marginalize widows and orphans. And I want you to hear me all church today. It is a pattern of this world to marginalize millennials and Gen Z because they're young. So what if they choose to wear a hoodie and color their hair? I may not do it, but I'm not them and they're not me. It is a pattern of this world to marginalize the LGBTQ plus people. Now hear me clearly. While I may not, un I do not even understand the lifestyle. What I do know is there are still people created in the image of God to whom I am not their judge. It is a pattern of this world to marginalize Muslims, Buddhists, Mormons, and Jehovah's Witnesses. And while I can hold firm, firm, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through him, I can respect their right to live their own beliefs. My faith as a believer in Jesus Christ is not threatened by them living their own lives. <laughs> Here's a news flash. Jews don't believe in Jesus either. But we see how the difference in how we're all treated in society. I know you're hearing me. It is a pattern of this world to marginalize Black Lives Matter, Antifa, and yes, even rednecks and Trump supporters. 
And to lay it all out on the line for all of us in this Christmas story message, it is the pattern of this world to marginalize you. You may not agree with everything and everybody's ways, but believe me when I tell you, you become marginalized in society when you don't follow the patterns of this world. I'm not a politician. I, I, I'm not an entertainer. I'm not even a motivational speaker, nor am I a comedian, though I try to be. I am a preacher. And for too many of us in this ministry, we have lost sight of what it is that we have been called to do and to announce. Most people know what we're against and what we are for. I'm for the Bonds Nouvelle. That's the only thing that God ordained me to deliver. I don't get the right to send any of you anywhere else but into the kingdom of God. And because, and because many of us in this ministry have lost sight of this glorious work, like the priests and the Pharisees of Jesus' day, God had to look outside of his established church and order to find someone on the margins of society with a different voice. He, he had to find a voice that did not become a, a, a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. He, he, he had to find a voice that wasn't trying to sell you some trinket on TBN, CBN, or on the Word Network. He had to find a voice that knew what it meant to be disenfranchised. He had to find a voice that knew what it meant to be discouraged, undervalued, underestimated, abandoned, alone, overlooked, marginalized. He had to look outside at the margins to find you and me. So, so he found this woman named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was given the privilege to announce the first Noel. God's ways are not our ways. Neither are his thoughts our thoughts. The Bible tells us that God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. In fact, not only, and I want you all to hear me, not only was it a woman that announced the first Noel, the advent of our Lord Jesus Christ. But get this church, <laughs> it was also a woman that was the first to announce his burial when she anointed and wiped his feet with her hair. <laughs> and if that were not enough, Reverend Scheider, if that were not enough, it was a woman that was first to announce he is risen. After he was resurrected from the tomb. So, so we can denigrate women or the marginalized in society all we want. But if you want to be moving with the spirit of the Lord, which I feel is upon me right now, then you need to consider your ways. God has not changed his mind. And he's very clear in his word. And since Paul admonishes us to not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of our minds, then maybe, just maybe, 
the good news that you and I are looking for in this Christmas season may come through the voice of someone you have marginalized in your life and who happens to be crying out in the wilderness in which you have placed them. I don't know. But what I do know is that God called a woman named Elizabeth who was old and way past her prime to announce the first Noel. God called a girl named Mary who was far too young to conceive and deliver the word. <laughs> and God called a preacher named Hugh to tell you, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be to all people. For, 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 for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, yeah. everlasting Father, yeah. Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be yeah. no end. Yeah. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And, and here's the best part. <laughs> here's the best part. Yeah. And, and, and this same Jesus who was taken up from us into heaven shall so come again in like manner as we have seen him go into heaven. So now, yeah. as we process the Bonds Nouvelle, yeah. who, who, who will believe my report? May the Lord Richly, richly bless you, my beloved.